Hello, and welcome to Life Lessons from a Total Failure, the podcast, a show that shares stories from passionate people living life on their own terms, and one that reminds us how life's failures and struggles are just the plot twists needed in our own personal stories to help us get to where we were meant to be. I'm your host, MJ Doherty. The 17th century poet John Donne knew a few things about being a human. He famously wrote, No man is an island entire of himself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. Today, we tend to frown upon the idea of being part of a collective and work tirelessly to be a unique individual. However, the smartest of us tend to be the best of both worlds. What is so wrong with learning from and emulating those around us that we admire? It seems like perfect sense that if you want to be a certain way or do a certain thing, you should look towards those who are experts and learn what you can from them and then put your own individuality into it to make it even better and more you. After Michael Patrick Lane figured that out along the way, a devoted lifelong learner, he learns by training and reading from the greats. But he found when mixed together with human experience, it was a formula for success. Pinning Michael down to record a podcast is like trying to catch lightning in a bottle because he is always on the move and is constantly doing. He is a talent for sure. And I'm very glad to have this guy on here today. So hello, Michael. Thank you for coming. Hey, you're so very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So Michael is a very charismatic guy. If you met him, he's like, what are you, six foot something? Yeah, six foot two, extremely charismatic. I definitely described me. Yeah, and he's got this booming voice and he walks into the room. He's like, hello, everybody. And everybody stops and looks and that's kind of how he is. He's great energy. So I'm really glad to have you on. So before we get started talking about life and things, tell us a little bit about you. Who are you? Where are you from? All that jazz. Oh, good. Then we can do that. From the beginning of time, there were several... No, okay, cool. (laughs) So, uh, man, about me. So let's see here. Grew up born and raised in Texas. Nothing but football, fields, Texas A&M University. By the way, he does kind of look like Matthew McConaughey. He has a a Matthew McConaughey aura to him, and that kind of really just... (laughs) Described why. So, okay, keep going. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> so, uh, man, I did uh, so much like musical theater type stuff back in the days, which is cool because when we first met, we were singing okay. in a kitchen, yeah. which was extremely memorable. And I saw that your first uh, musical was Godspell. Oh, my gosh. Which man, was, you is my well, all-time favorite musical, and I've been in it multiple times. Yes, give me a little high yes, five. It's a, it's a great one. If you, don't, if you don't know Godspell, you should check it out. It's great music. So. Oh, so good. So, okay, so you were a musical theater dude, and I saw that you did... Um, seeing competitions in high school, just like me, you were pretty cool going to those, yes. you know, East, uh, choirs, you know, the state choirs, Eastern choirs, all that yeah. crap. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely the best. Yeah, I mean, ranked I love fourth that stuff. best bass two in all of Texas, baby. Get out. Yeah, man. well, you've got that good bass. I was a bass one, oh. and oh, I was never as good with the choral music because I always wanted to pop out. So I did well, and I and I got pretty, you know, far in those things. But then I would always, you know, I never, I was never considered that good in the choral world because I'd always wanted to go, you know, add my little, ooh, you know. You already know I do Whitney. You already know I do Whitney. Right. So, um, but yeah, but it was fun. So. Yeah, you were a music guy, but it helped that you were also an athlete, right? So, Absolutely. Because, you know, this was pre-Glee days, right? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. So I was I was a swimmer year-round, and at 12 years old, I was doing the Junior Nationals for swimming. I had done probably about 20, like, stage shows from ages 9 through 12. We just added year-round both. My mom was like, hey, pick. So do you want to keep throwing up before meets? Because I always got nervous. Or do you want to keep going on stage and making a fool of yourself and singing? So I said... Yeah, let me let me do that where I don't throw up. 
which is funny because most That's people better. would throw up going on stage instead of going to a meet. But I for you, it was it. the opposite, right? For me, it was the opposite until I got to about 15, and then I started getting nervous whenever I had like a girlfriend. And all of a sudden, it was like, okay, I, I can't make a fool of myself. But always kind of felt like I did. But something tells me you didn't make a fool of yourself. You you you, it worked you got out okay. some talent, huh? It worked out okay. So high school, you were jack of all trades, master of all. And then what happened after that? Well, you know, it's crazy. I fell in love with that girl, and uh, her name is Taryn. And I actually started working at McDonald's full time when I was a sophomore in high school. Oh, me too. What? Well, I, was, well, I wasn't full time here. But yeah, I mean, I my first job was McDonald's. Fourteen years old, sophomore year, I used to get off the. No, it was freshman year. I used to get off my bus at McDonald's and work for three hours. That's all you're allowed to work. But yeah. Oh, nice. I don't know how I got around that. I was tall. It's Texas. Know. Yeah, Texas. They, they let, you, they they let they you overwork you. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> all right. So you're working at McDonald's. Yeah. And I was bouncing back and forth between at that time, just basketball, uh, singing, uh, school, and then dating her. And I started saving up money for a, a wedding ring. And uh, the wow. best, I know, I really, 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 I fell in love with her when I was like in seventh grade, eighth grade. She was a year older, very pretty. And I was like, she was a singer too, loved it. And uh, you know, best thing that ever happened to me was she cheated on me. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's not something you usually hear people say. All right. Well, explain. So, she was a, so I was about, I would like, got out of choir my junior year. I dropped out of basketball. I dropped out of uh, singing outside of school, which is mostly where I sang, whatever I could do so I could just work as much as possible to buy a ring because I love this girl, you know? And then all of a sudden, senior year, she finds a junior in college who's a Texas A&M, you know, baseball oh, yeah. player, next door neighbor. And then next thing I know, she she's with him. She after, traded up. After four and a half years. <laughs> yes, she did. Yes, yes, she did. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, Texas A&M baseball player or the McDonald's worker. Or the ring. with, with all. But so I did was, she know that you were oh working gosh. at McDonald's just to buy her a ring? Yes, and that's what we discussed. And she's like, you're never around anymore it's because wow. I love you and because I want to marry you. And I can't wait. First, first love. Oh, but then I fell out of acting and I fell out of everything. And then I'm about to, you know, go to Blinn, the junior college at Texas A&M for finance so I can transfer over to A&M. And I'm just like miserable until right. I'm 21 trying to go to college for finance and working at a computer company. I was like, what just happened to my life? Yeah. And then all of a sudden there was this big competition in L.A. and New York. And this amazing woman, Nikki Peterson, out of Texas, who would like scout kids. And she's like, you know, you're a little old, but you should do this competition, IMTA. And then um, I won that. I got scholarships so I could start all over again at around 21 and a half. Which in it's acting so world bad. seems old, but it's baby. You're a baby at it 21 and a half. Fine. It was fine. It was fine. So, so what happened at 21 and a half? Then what? About nine years of failing is what happened. Oh, good, yeah. You know, it's great. So I signed with this huge manager, Thomas Harding Jones, who was excellent, so good, and uh, had meetings set up with Innovative. It was Thomas, <laughs> Maury, Maury was his name, I think. But Innovative, Abrams, was kind of like, where do you want to go? So these are all agencies. Agencies, and it was out of New York is where they, they wanted me. And we had an opportunity to do As the World Turns in the beginning. And it was like, let's pass. You're a great singer. Let's train you up for the next two years. And he had some clients who were like great movie stars and like TV stars. There's a small roster, some killer people. And um, so he died within six months of me wow. getting to New York. And I knew nothing. He died. He died. All right. So I just have to ask. <laughs> I know it was awful that this he died. Horrible. Did, that did you? 
honestly, were you thinking, why me? Why me? <laughs> I felt so bad for him. And you know what? I, I don't know what I thought at that time. I don't think it was ever, why me? I think it was more like, what do I do? What I'm do I here do? Right? And I just spent everything I had to uh, get me here. I uh, totally dropped out of college and this is the rest of my funds and I don't know anything. I had not even heard of Actors Access yet. Wow. And I wasn't smart enough to ask those questions for about five years. Oh my. I followed the gosh darn list that we had discussed about who I should train with blindly for five years and that's all I did was I trained relentlessly, nonstop. I was working as a busboy at Nobu 57 and uh, eventually got to be a food runner tried to become a waiter. My mom said, I know that you'll become a movie star before you uh, become a waiter. Yeah. Which luckily I did book my first movie, which did get distribution on Hulu, Amazon. It got me some really great reviews before I became a waiter. Mom always knows. Mom, mom knew. knows. Good. But it was great because that whole stretch of time in New York City really trained me up. And what ended up happening was I started to gain a little bit of momentum in the non-union commercial field. Right. So instead of continuing to spend thousands of dollars dumping that into one-on-one, -on -one, uh, the Actors Green Room, Actors Connection, Paul Michaels, The Network, uh, like here in LA, the Actors Key, or any of those programs, which are great and do offer value, the return on investment was so low that I knew I had to change my tactics because I already dumped about four grand in there and I hadn't stopped training right. along the way. So at this point, I'm about 20 grand in debt, booked about seven non-unit commercials, so I decided this is where my momentum is. Why do I keep trying to meet legit people when this isn't working? So hold on, let's gain momentum. So I trained with a dude named David Cady at Adana DeSetta Casting, one of the biggest uh, casting companies out in New York. Did a 10-week class with him at the end of that, signed with Doug Kesson over at Paradigm, then Stacy Mayer. And then all of a sudden my world opened up because I understood that I had momentum in one you know, facet. Right. And maybe my job was to dive into that and then know that because I was so specific about what I wanted out of my life, I could catapult with it. And I did to the time we are now. So within a two-year period, after about two years of working with Paradigm and getting married to an amazing girl who was a doctor and uh, all that and sacrificing everything, within a two-year period, I booked, what, 17 different projects within amazing. the past a little over a year and a half and as you know the thing we can't talk about is still ongoing and my right. first booking wasn't a co-star it was a seven episode guest star recurring guest star with chad michael murray two-time oscar you know nominated director and two-time emmy winning producers so it was a good start well so so i ten think years in the making baby ten yes ten years in the making but a lot of what you said and what you talked about is exactly what we talk about on this podcast where it's all part of the journey and it's putting the work in and then knowing when you need to reevaluate or shift your course. And so you what you were doing, everything that you were doing was good, good for your well-being, good for your career, was good for your soul. You were training, you were growing, but it wasn't getting you to where you wanted to be in in a direct way. So you had to stop, kind of evaluate what was going on and make a shift which looks like you did and that shift would was going you know more into you know your commercials and then getting the the, the new representation and then your momentum started and started rolling so during that time how did you feel about where you were at were you 
uh, just thankful that you had work or were you like, hey, I'm here I come Hollywood and, you know, run out the door towards the West Coast? Oh, I love that. That's such a great question. Um, all right. So here was the thing with me. I was always really specific about what kind of actor I wanted to be. So part of that equation was being really, really good at like what you do. So um, what 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 is that? What kind of actor do you want to be? Do I look up to? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, some of the consummate greats. Uh, take a look at Anthony Hopkins, uh, his longevity, his work, uh, just his focus. Matthew McConaughey, especially nowadays, what he did, he branded himself and then he totally broke that brand. And now he's more just, I mean, come on, he's an amazing actor. And he, right. And he always was. Um, but more like just those type of people, Kevin Spacey, I really look up to. I look up to intelligent people when it comes to inspiration. Will Smith, I think. Uh, at least for a long time, was one of the most inspirational movie stars of all time. So you want to be a legit actor? You legit. you oh, you were you legit. weren't doing this to have a ton of social media followers and to be on the cover of OK magazine or something. <laughs> no, no, you're doing this because you you love it and you want to be. If you're going to do it, you want to do it right. Absolutely. And uh, one thing that I have realized though, because um, as actors. You know, you open up, you're so vulnerable to the world, you know, and then you got to you got to get the business side, too, or else that vulnerability will completely stop you. Now, this this is a little bit off topic, but I'm going to go this way just for one second. So like someone like Tony Robbins for a second, because you and I both talked about Tony. Yes. For a second. Right. You know, I, I love his teachings. I really dive into it. I've listened to his CDs, like straight up purchased them and like gone into that. And there's, there's something magical about what Tony Robbins can do because it's all about moving forward, driving forward, and changing your state of being and your mindset. But with that being said, as an actor, especially one that still needs to layer in a lot of different ways and perspective, you partially bring your real life with you to the stage. Now, there's a level to where you can unzip and literally be super vulnerable and zip back up. And you're going to have to get to that. And some characters are easier to do that with than others. But what's funny is like Tony Robbins, for instance, will say, go, 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 go. And how did I even get on this subject? But what ends up happening in like the artist world is um, that vulnerability can really slow you down. I can't remember how I got on this. Well, I interrupted you from asking if you went gung-ho to Hollywood. Um, or if you oh, were just kind of in disbelief. That's why. Okay, so this is where all this goes from. All right, cool. So I was an artist and a consummate artist, and a lot of my friends were artists. So we focus on art, not the business. But at some point, I had to start focusing on what is the business need as well. And part of what was interesting about you saying, like, be on OK Magazine and social media followers and all this stuff, which really I, I haven't purchased I don't want to my Instagram following is not that heavy but they're very genuine followers but um, what I did realize is the more I can get people to come watch the movies that I'm a part of the TV series I'm a part of internationally the more value I am to everyone in a project and hopefully because of my artistry I'm making phenomenal work so I had to start layering and figuring out business as well because I want to be more than just an actor and in order to book the roles that I really want to book that inspired me the Tom Hanks roles and all these things I knew I was gonna to have to get more butts in seats so part of my job is figuring out how do I do that in a genuine Michael Patrick Lane kind of way and not follow the masses 
Because if I followed the masses, I was stuck in New York or I would have went to L.A., which I tried both, but those were failures for me. I went to New Orleans, Louisiana for a year and a half and mentored with two amazing actors. Interesting. That's how I did it. All right, so going back to my original question, you didn't just run for Hollywood. You ran to New Orleans. New Orleans, Louisiana. Okay, so New Orleans obviously has a a pretty vibrant – acting and um, production scene down there, you know, just like Georgia does and other places you know, mm-hmm. around the country, Vancouver and Canada. Um, but it's not what you hear people. That's not norm. They don't go run to New Orleans. So how'd that happen? Well, it's because I stopped seeking my resume and I started seeking knowledge. I had started reading three books a day, rotating between uh, a classic in the morning, uh, how to in the afternoon and then a biography at night. I listened to that uh, Ty Lopez thing, the 67 Steps, which is so advertised, and he advertises so many things. But that offered a lot of value to me. And I was reading a lot at the time, like The Slight Edge Principle by Jeff Olson, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I started reading the right material because I couldn't find the right people where I was. Right. So I had to seek knowledge outside of that. Great podcast like you, you know? And I Thanks had for the plug. It. You're <laughs> very welcome. <laughs> so I started seeking knowledge because what I realized is I was in this grind and I needed to start finding people who knew things I didn't know. So I needed to find people 30 years my senior. And I got that out of uh, not Charlie Monk, Peter F. Drucker. You know, he wrote this itty bitty book and he said, find people who are 30 years your, your senior. And you got to learn from them and not 30 years age, but in success of what you want. So that led to James Dumont, who we both know. Right. Lance Nichols. And then uh, later on, Chad Michael Murray and I are, have created an actual friendship that isn't like, oh, yeah, he's my buddy and stuff. No, but like an actual friendship because I genuinely want to uh, get to know people and then I learn whatever I can from them, but hopefully in a positive way so that I also can offer value in their lives. Right. So I've got directors who I really believe in, who I've worked with recently, who literally we text. And it took a year and a quarter for me to get confident enough to ask for uh, someone who I really genuinely liked, like their phone numbers if they were too big. But I was like, uh, Michael uh, Stratzizemas, who I just worked with on Lore, he directed our episode. And he's the resident uh, director of The Walking Dead. And it just got promoted to producer of Fear of the Walking Dead and the resident director, I believe, of Fear of the Walking Dead. So he's doing both Gail and Heard show after doing such a great job on Lore with our episode. And like, I genuinely just know this person is, is amazing and is going to succeed. And I want to keep in contact with him. So I, I stopped seeking gimme, gimme, gimme. And it was more like, how do I keep you in my life in a positive way that I can give back? Even my first director who directed me in the blacklist, uh, Kate Geller got me into Jessica Kelly and Suzanne Smith Crowley, um, booked me in the blacklist for a little baby co-star. And it was Stephen A. Adelson who directed me. And I was so thankful for them. Genuinely, I don't need anything from these people. It would be great if we guys want to work together again. But just to like support the people around you and build them up anyway, or just be there to be like, holy crud, I love that you're producing Beyond, brother. It's awesome. And then my new series, you know, he's contacting me saying, yo, your picture's on the wall, and why aren't you here shooting right now in this series that we can't talk about? Right. You know, and it's like, well, I'm going to be there, and I hope that our paths cross again. And and I know they will, but if they don't for a while, it's, it's something magical about chasing knowledge and, and 
personal development rather than being so, you know? Obviously, I have lots of actors on and because I live in L.A. and it's the world I live in. I'm always trying to bring it back to other careers and, you know, other other lives that are different from what I'm living in mine. And this is something that is a really interesting point for people to remember in their own lives, whatever their career is, whatever their passions are, it's to learn from the examples. So if you want to be something, you want to do something, you want to achieve something, seek out those people who have done it and watch what they have, you know, watch what they do, see how they are, how they interact in their world. And it's okay to research and duplicate, but then make it better as, as your own. And I know that for me, I've never had a problem asking people for help um, because uh, for I know if someone asks me for help and I can help them, that's the best feeling in the world. So people are usually willing to offer help to help you get to achieve your goals. Um, but you can't you won't know that unless you ask and you reach out. So it's a it's a very good point and yes you know in this business it's very different you're so afraid of insulting someone or making them think that you just are interested in them to get somewhere and that's going to happen it happens to me all the time no matter how genuine i may be yeah but you know that's their problem and not yours because you know they have the issue that's making them standoffish with you where you're just really being being genuine and I, I, I think that it follows through in all different aspects of life. If you really want to achieve something or you want to be something, you want to do something, really just talk to people, seek out that that knowledge and that the wisdom that you can't get from an inanimate object like a book. You know, you can get so much from books, but they only take you to a certain place. It's the human um, component that brings you a step further. Um, so it's it's really interesting that you knew enough that, yeah, reading the books is great. Doing the training is great. But those human relationships was re- really going to help you, you know, achieve that that goal of yours. Can I piggyback off of your genius? Sure. So, anytime, anytime. Okay, all right, all right, baby. Oh, yeah, look at the long See, we go. We're getting on the camel. All right, so uh, <laughs> what I was going to say on that is um, sometimes like in Texas, for instance, I couldn't necessarily find the right people where I was. Oh, there's two things. Okay, cool. Um, so podcasts again, like this really helps because a book is so well structured. There's been editors and everything else that really make it uh, look very well put together or, or, you know, sometimes it shows the failures too, you know, but, um, sometimes like if you can't find the real people settle for podcasts in the beginning and then go YouTube video crazy. And then what you're really trying to do is make it intuitive knowledge. So if you can get those principles of success, success running or sex <laughs> running deep inside of you. That's, oh, a, di- that's, that's, a, that's a different goes, podcast. Goes, yeah, <laughs> those principles of sex running deep inside yeah. you. D- no, not different, good. different podcast. Not good, not good, not good. Not good. <laughs> but, um, but if you can make it intuitive knowledge, uh, you know, you're going to find those people. You're going to gravitate towards those people like you and I did. I think a little bit easier because, you know, we're kind of plugged into something similar to a, obviously there's a gravitational whole there's like oh yeah we have knowledge in common that's kind of fun to talk about and here we are just shooting the the crud here in a positive way yeah and and it's also we can relate to each other and know that it's a a a real thing not uh i'm trying to be something thing which you know a lot of people try to be but they aren't really dude there is no try exactly (laughs) as 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 the great one says 
You said you had two things to say. That was one. No, what no. See, I thing? keep losing the train of thought. There's it's just been too much drinking <laughs> in my life. I have blackouts at this point. It's it's terrible. It's well, like Tennessee Williams falling down the stairs saying this is art. Okay, so all right. Well, we're gonna go. We're gonna go back to to the timeline. So, New Orleans was a good move for you. You met some great people. You continued this this journey of learning and becoming who you want to be. And then what? Let's go backwards for a second. Because then what comes to here? And we're going to do two leaps. The first leap actually will bring me back to what it is that we were talking about earlier. Because you're right. There were two things. And now it's back. So, <laughs> um, so about Texas not being able to find what you need. Uh, one of the scariest things is taking the leap like in Indiana Jones, where he's, you know, leaping onto what ended up being an invisible bridge or whatever it was. Um, so if you don't have the people that you, that you need around you, you have to change your situation. And that's what happened to me in New York because I couldn't find the people who I needed in New York, of all places, or Los Angeles. I could not find any better than parallel moves and everything else. And I finally had a management team who wanted to represent me, who were solid mid-sized management. And I said no, because I knew that in order to find what I really needed, I needed to start emulating and building on the shoulders of giants. Hence, James Dumont, Lance Nichols, because I knew that I could do what they did with my training. It was a logical move. So that took sacrificing my marriage in order to do that because with every you know, there's always cause and effect right so and that's another thing that i think that we should put out there that don't you dare be afraid to lose whatever it is you're going to have to lose in order to be who you were supposed to be and you are going to make sacrifices along the way it doesn't have to be you lose your marriage right that was her choice but and it was the same thing when it happened from New Orleans because I was working the entire Southeast market. And Kate Geller was so nice. And Jessica Kelly and Suzanne Smith-Crowley to call me back and get me in a Charlize Theron movie opposite of her and Mackenzie Davis with Jason Reitman directing. That's coming out in 2018 called Tully. Oh, by the way, all 17 projects are legit and growing. But and um, <laughs> they're not commercials. I actually burned that boat as well. Another principle of success. Burn your freaking boat. So... I burnt my both my wife. I burnt the boat on commercials. My management, when I first moved out to L.A., were like, hey, just do commercials. You'll get by. And I said, no, if you want to make money with me, we're doing it on commercial. We're doing it on legit. And I thought about it, and I kept talking about it, like, maybe. But I was like, no, no, burn the boats. Burn the boats. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to say that that's a great principle if it works for you. If Only burn those boats you. if you know that's what you need to do and then that's what you want right and these were logical okay so everything that i had done a lot of people might be like right, i'm not right, gonna stop. burn the bridge with my wife because you no, don't do that don't do no, that no no no, no, no. it okay. worked for you no, no, because no. that wasn't you knew deep inside you that this wasn't what was meant to be so it was the logical step well i uh, know i thought it was meant to be she's she's actually the one who burnt that that bridge uh, i my burning of the bridge was baby i'm not gonna make it in la you gotta trust me I got to get out to New Orleans and I can no longer put a time limit on how long this is going to take, but you got to trust me. Let me do whatever it takes within my value system of honor. And okay. that was too much for her. So please don't go burn your marriage. Okay, it's yes. just the decision to be who I was supposed to be weighed too heavy on, oh my gosh, what if Michael becomes famous because she's incredibly competitive? And what if I'm always in the background, that fear of what if, what if? Well, then that, that wasn't That's about you. Different. That was about her. That was about her. And you're... 
the only responsibility you have at the end of the day is to yourself. And if you were being honest and open and loving and caring and she couldn't meet you halfway or you couldn't come to a And I a, couldn't meet her halfway. Right. Then then that's you know, then then okay. I, I see. But but just when you were saying how burning bridges, I was <laughs> no, like, no, wait no, a minute, no. hold on, hold on. Take your wife and put her on the stake like <laughs> no, Dracula. A lot you no, know no, I, please don't do that. I, I, I have you know, just wanted to make that clear because I have <laughs> killed your wife. I have lots of ambition in my life. I have lots of things I want to achieve and uh, uh, my spouse I plan on being in the front row with me for all of it. Please, so please that, that boat is just I'm gonna build a bigger boat for him to be on you know please um, anyway okay so keep going uh, thank you for clarifying that <laughs> that was incorrect um yeah um but with uh, california's move okay all these steps at this point in my life stopped being artistic moves as much as they were artistry moves and logic moves because i was so plugged into needing to acquire more knowledge and also wanting to implement that knowledge that i had figured out at that point i had booked i think 14 projects in New Orleans in a year and a half, all throughout the 500 mile radius. One was a co-star, one was a day player. Everything else was support in movies, uh, top of show guest stars and above with amazing people. These were not small projects. Right, and, and just just let's clarify what calm, this is. Go calm, ahead. Yeah, calm down. So 14, <laughs> he, he, I, if he was in elementary school today, they would put him on medication. <laughs> he is going 5 million miles per hour. I'm like, okay, slow down, slow down. Yeah, ADHD, like big time here. Okay, so 14, Bots or projects you booked. Got so it. that means you 14 different jobs you had in a year and a half. So, yeah. That's that's huge. Like, people who I've known who have been here for a decade have not booked 14 individual projects. That's incredible. So I just want to – yeah, I just want to stop and, and let that sink in. That's pretty good. So uh, people, that'd be like you got 14 raises in a job in a year. That shows <laughs> right then and there your level of talent. You just blew – past that so fast that I had to slow you down and be like, that's amazing. Now you can continue. Most of my life has been massive failures. They've led to this. So um, <laughs> I moved to LA because again, it was about seeking knowledge. And it's not like I had tapped out on what like James and Lance could teach me. It was simply that I knew that I needed to consume more and quicker. Maybe hence why I HDHD talk so fast because I just want to be I want to grab it all and then I want to process it and you're high energy that's for sure. No, I am. I, I love it. I, I love it. Uh, but you're right. I need to slow down a little bit. <laughs> but um, so LA brought like that, and I was so fortunate because um, I signed with a really cool management company, and luckily our first audition was the one that we booked, which is not a series reg, but our first audition was a top of show guest star recurring on, you know, what is pronounced as what, one of the top 10 most anticipated shows of the fall. So, you know, it was a really great first audition. And then I just had my first series reg audition. And it's a lot about trusting that the process is going to work. And then honestly, a lot of it has been not falling backwards far enough to where I haven't been able to get back up. And recently it's been about falling backwards and then literally having to stop like we did for a second here and uh, reassess again and it wasn't this time about seeking knowledge it wasn't this time about challenging myself by finding more people it was about looking at myself in the mirror realizing what I had done so far and then I started to realize that I had gone so far into the grind that uh, I've started to lose perspective as what I need for Michael Patrick Lane as a, as a human being to balance right. myself out with perspective. So now, 
we have that beautiful thing going on, that looking in the mirror and being like, well, what do I need to change next? Uh, I smoke cigarettes. I started on Sun Records. I drink a little too much booze. Now I want to cut all these things out, even though it's, it's a hard thing to, to do and it's a hard thing to listen to, especially for people like me. Uh, to hear it's difficult to hear but then it's like well I wonder what my life could be like if I made those really tough decisions in such a competitive career and I wonder if I could be happier so that's where I'm at right now and it has nothing to do with anyone else it purely has to do with me and my own fears and those were my personal scary cat moment so you know now it's like I'm not smoking and I'm not drinking a few days and now it's like well I really want to tackle this because for me Maybe that's the next thing. You yeah. Know? So well, I think when you're growing up in 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 the world and you're living your Texas life, beer and football. Yeah. So you you are a, a product of what everybody else makes you, and then as you get you know into your late teens and your twenties, you start being the person that you think you want to be, and then you get into your thirties and you start realizing that you may or may not be where you thought you'd be and where you want to be. And you really start to calculate who you want to be in the future more. And I know that for me and you know, people's timelines are different, but you may have done all that in your twenties. But for me, it was, you know, my twenties were a time of me being who I thought I wanted to be. My thirties are a time of me figuring out who I am going to be. And my future is going to be, always trying to be the best me that I can be. And I know I'll never get there because I, you know, it, it's impossible to have perfection. You know, you can decide that you want to be one thing and then your, you know, your mind changes and stuff like that. But, <laughs> but a couple things that you talked about are important. I mean, definitely the knowing what you want and going for it is very important. Um, taking leaps of faith are very important because sometimes the, the solution may be right there, but if you don't have enough courage to, to reach out for it, you won't know that. So always take those risks. It's, it's a big thing, but then finding balance is, is a major, a, a major part of life that we, especially as Americans, don't know how to do. We're not good at balance. Now, what's the definition of balance for you? Let's get into this because I am curious. All right. For me, balance is exactly what what you think balance should be it's in my morning and night weigh equally with my with my middle of the day so i'm a person who was bred to be kind of extreme extreme emotions living you know highs and lows and for me balance is knowing that my daily life can be consistent while still having my highs and lows so it's learning how to keep it in the middle. You know, the big thing in my book is my Uncle Jerry once said to me, you can't let the highs be too high. You can't let the lows be too low. You have to learn how to keep it in the middle. And it took me years to understand what that means. But to me, that's balance. It's you can have the highs, you can have the lows, but you learn how to live with both ends. And that's balance. Um, if you turn on a television set or you look at a social media feed, 99% of it is showcasing people living it not in balance. It's extreme. It's extreme emotion. It's, ex it's extreme craziness. It's all or nothing. It's my life's awful. I hate my life. My life's amazing. It's, you know, people living in this kind of really 
super emotionally charged state. And that's not good for long-term emotional well-being and stability. So for me, balance is knowing how to have those highs and those lows, but, but being able to keep myself grounded so I can start my day and end my day um, it, with the same kind of energy. And what's some of the tools that you use that you're implementing right now to get that? For me, it's always about being aware. It's to, I have to, because listen, just because I say this is how I want to live doesn't mean I do it. I mean, I'm constantly going way out of balance and I have to pull myself back down off the ledge, but that's part of it. It's constantly um, really thinking about my behavior and how I'm reacting. Um, just like in acting, uh, real life is more about reacting than acting. Uh, I constantly have to think to myself, are my feelings right now, is this ridiculous? Or is that, you know, am I blowing this out of proportion? Or is this, you know, warranted? So for me, I'm always kind of just trying to keep myself in check by really, and some people find this, you know, maybe self-centered, narcissistic, but by always going back to analyze what I'm doing. Mm. Um, Because that's how I can tweak the things that make my life a little tougher and put me not in balance so I can avoid that in the future. Sure. No, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. This morning I had a phone call that I found out someone who I love dearly decided that they think I'm a horrible person. They hate me. And they, you know, I'm a terrible person. And I, I thought to myself that my first initial reaction was devastated. Like, how could this happen? I mean, I, I thought I was a great friend. I thought it was this. And, you know, I went down this hole of poor me. And then I was like, wait a minute. Okay, calm down. If this is the way this person feels, this is more about them than me. And I know I didn't do anything wrong. And if I did, I would know. And, you know, this is crazy behavior. And I'm not going to let myself get all upset over someone else's crazy behavior. And just that little cycle brought me back to, okay, uh, I want a second cup of coffee. I'm moving on now. So that's the kind of stuff I try to do to keep me in balance because before that would have been weeks where I couldn't get over the fact that this person hates my guts because I did or did not do something. Out of your circle of influence. Right. But I've learned that it doesn't matter what someone else thinks about me. It hurts. It can it can sting. But ultimately, like my life, I'm going to get up in the morning, God willing, I'm going to go to bed at night and it doesn't really matter. But I have to keep myself in check. And that is the keeping myself in balance thing. When did you figure that out, man? I mean, how old were you when you when you just were like, man, I got I got to. Well, this is really what my whole book is about. So. Clearly. I love it. Well, I don't want to. Well, then we're, we're going to get into <laughs> but, this. No, I mean, actually, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what I learned. I learned this when I had no other choice because I wasn't functioning and I wasn't living. And this is when I went around on tour this year. I just realized more that most people have this same kind of feeling in their life. Most people go through the same things. We all go. Th- we're more connected through failure than anything else because we all experience it. And when I say failure, I mean failure, issues, heartbreak, anything that doesn't go the way we want it to go. And so I just saw over and over and over again that people could take, you know, let's say a a molehill and make it into a mountain because they let their emotions run wild. They let the 
storm gets stronger and stronger where if we just kind of pulled it in, thought more about it, took the power out of it, you know, and, and moved on, we'd be able to live this life that we want to live without having all of our emotion drained and all of our energy drained for things that are out of our control. I love that. Yeah. So anyway, that was too much about me. No, Back to I, you. <laughs> I, but I wanted that again. That's why we're all here, man. I want to seek knowledge from you, brother. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you talk about being this lifelong learner, which you are, and which is very important. And I think most people are, whether they realize they are or not. If you're not learning, you're dead because you're learning something new every day, whether you realize it or not. Scandal teaches a lot, as is <laughs> yeah. any movie that you've ever seen. Right. A lot and, of lessons. And it's, it's how you allow that into you that helps you grow. So you have done pretty well. You are doing really well. I mean, we have people on this show that are starting in this industry. We have people that are successful in this industry. I would definitely say that you are probably the one right now that I think is on like a, a rocket ship. So you're, you're doing stuff. Thanks. So <laughs> what, like it, what, what, what do you think, what do you see your future? What do you, what do you see for yourself and how do you think you're going to get there? Oh, that's an interesting question. Huh. How to answer that one? Uh, <laughs> I know the answer. There, there's because it's certain... easy to say, oh, I know I'm going to be an A-list movie star. Okay? Yeah. No, I know. But I you're... could look at you and say, I, you're probably going to be someone that people know. Right. But you're asking me to lay out my game plan, bro. <laughs> Which well, I'm fine with because I'm yeah. all about abundance. So, yeah, sure. I'll give you some. Um, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, i tell you what I want to do is um, – I've got to I've got to continue to master my craft. Uh, there's some camera technique stuff that I need to get better at. Honestly, I also want to understand story better. So I'm purchasing uh, two storybooks, Save the Cat, and also something a little more advanced about screenwriting, so I can understand story a little bit better. And then I'm going to rotate out between a camera technique book, one of the storybooks, and also a craftsmanship book, as well as I'm going to have to start getting better at finances because in order for me to really uh, move power to other people. I'm gonna have to learn how to manage my money better. Eventually, produce do other people's money as well. So I'm reading Charlie Munger's book right now as well. I just started uh, Charlie Munger's Poor Man's Almanac. Really good. And um, uh, other than that, uh, I'm gonna sit on the whole purchasing Instagram, Twitter followers. I really don't like it. I'm gonna continue generating relationships that are are really good, and then I'm gonna get in front of the next trend that's right for me because I'll know it when I see it because I believe in acquiring knowledge, and I know that I really want to empower the producers and the other actors and the the dreamers who watch the movies that I work with. So a lot of what I do is how do I how do I help them? You know, a lot of what I do is like, well, this is what I represent. And part of my job is an actor. And please let us keep acting instead of just, I hate the typecasting thing. And it's fine. But like, if you watch all of my characters, I pretty much am a different person in every role. I've been very fortunate. The look is right. very different. The time period is very different. I've been very um, cautious about wanting to be the Kevin Spacey and be a craftsman before anything else. But now, honestly, I may want to look and do uh, more the movie star Tom Cruise type thing and having one look that sticks around for a, a little bit right? so that people get used to me a certain way. So I may honestly have to start talking a little bit slower, dressing a little better, uh, doing a little more of that what you'd expect emulating some A-list movie stars. And a big reason for that is because, again, I need to 
bring more value to the sets I'm on other than, yes, I need to be a phenomenal actor, but I need to learn how to bring more people to the theater. So I'll be uh, learning Mandarin over the next three years. My first series reg that I book, which I'm pretty sure will happen this year. Um, I'll probably reallocate those funds to having a private coach teach me Mandarin. Um, I've got some great friends I met over at NYU and Columbia while I was there who are now consummate directors in uh, China. So I'll probably go that way and try to figure out what do they need, how do I offer value in that market, and then how can I uh, marry people together in the States, in China. I had a show I booked in South Korea that we had to decline because the show I'm on now. I mean, I want to unify and build some bridges because I genuinely love people and it's one of my my Superman strengths yeah so I just want to bring amazing people together and uh, whatever I can do to support them and I don't need anything out of it but I, I know that something amazing is gonna happen out of it and I do know that I'll become a movie star in the process of that because it's my dream but my biggest dream is to be able to just you know I've been able to get eight people amazing agents and a New York manager within the past like four months because I had a little bit of power. So I reached out and called people who I had no business calling who didn't represent me right. and who wanted me. And I said, well, how about not me, but how about this person? And that feels good to give back in that way. Because it feels great to help people. It does. And that's it, what we were saying before, you know, ask those questions, you know, talk to the people that you emulate because they are going to want to help you. And these directors it feels good. me. Yeah. And Kate, like these people, they, they're the reason I'm here. You yeah. Know? And somebody and, believed in me. Tom Malam from People Store. Is the, Brenda, these, my agents that my management, they're the reason I get a chance to do this. <laughs> and you, me being you know, here. And I, I mean, I don't have anybody of notoriety that believes in me, but. You got I believe me. in myself. You got <laughs> so, me. You know, One day. And, and I think that's another thing to remember is that you got to have that belief in yourself. And you obviously do. And and you got to just believe that what you're doing is the right thing for you. And you got to keep one foot in front of the other um, because that's really that's a really important thing. And it's something that I think people forget is that you you can still succeed even if someone says that you can't. And you can fail even when people say you can't. Yeah. So you have to just keep doing, keep doing the right things for you and doing what's right and knowing that there's going to be the ups and the downs, but you know, it'll get you to where, where you want to be. All right. So getting back to your career, I have to bring something up, something that I find pretty exciting because it kind of links the two of us together. Well, the reason I'm doing a podcast is because I listen to so many podcasts while on my 26,516 mile Red Umbrella tour this year. And one of them was Lore, Alan, or, um, Aaron Mankey's Lore. And I loved it. And there was an episode about this creepy freaking doll that really was so eerie and so creepy and kind of stuck in my brain. Rabbit the doll. Wouldn't you know, this guy sitting across from me was in the new show Lore, which is on Amazon Prime. And he was in the episode about Robert the Doll. And you were? I, I was Gene Otto. I mean, I was the, I was the adult version. You of, were Robert. I was Robert's, uh, Robert's guy. Yeah, yeah. Essentially and, Robert. <laughs> and if you want to see this, this guy as creepy as can be, you should check it out. But then on the flip side, my mother loves, loves the show Sun Records. Yeah. Which is a, a 
totally different ball game. Country music television, 1950s. Yeah, and you were uh, Earl Hutchins, Hutchins. Seven, WHBQ, seven episodes? seven of the eight episodes. Seven of the eight episodes. Opposite love interest versus Chad Michael Murray. Yeah, so that was that was a big score. That was of a great show that did that was huge. Had major acclaim. People love so that show. Fun. I know everyone was so upset that they didn't get a season two, but it never was meant to have a season two. The writers just really wanted to pitch it as a three-season thing, but CMT purchased it as an eight-episode But miniseries. it wasn't a, like a failure thing because people loved that no, show. They loved it. We have huge fans that still are nonstop. I, it's amazing. The, That's that awesome. fan base is phenomenal. So you also have movies that you've done, and you have one coming out, correct? Uh, yeah. So I got uh, I've got a bit role in Tolly coming out, which is great. But it, I needed to work opposite of an A-list actor. I needed to work opposite what of Charlize like? Theron. It was awesome. Um, it Were was you great. scared? No, actually, I wasn't. It was crazy, and Jason was so welcoming. Charlize was so welcoming. Who's so Jason? was McKenzie. Jason Reitman. He's a two-time Oscar winner. Oh, Jason. Oh, Jason. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Jason sorry. Reitman. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so he, really phenomenal dude. It was so fun. Was um, I had done enough projects at that point. That's right. It's done Sun Records, and I failed so much on Sun Records. You would never know from the finalized product, and I didn't really fail. It wasn't about. It wasn't about messing up craftsmanship skillmanship i know you don't like that word it wasn't that it was literally i wanted to ask every question i possibly could that i didn't know so sometimes people would think that i was a little green but literally for my first like 10 projects i asked everything i hung out with network i did i watched the monitors nonstop. i was like what do i don't know i don't know because and people just looked at me like, oh my gosh, this rookie doesn't know anything, but he seems to be pretty good in front of the camera. Right. Now, I, I've talked I about this before. Know. This is the best thing to do because it is free education. <laughs> yeah. And you may not yeah, be invited hey. back if you push right. a little too hard. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, they, that, that doesn't happen. But, uh, but yeah, so then you got yeah. to work with some major people. Yeah. And, and it, it was great. so good because it was just like the first time I did The Blacklist with Stephen A. Adelson. Again, thanks to Kate Geller. And Jessica and uh, Suzanne over at Chrissy Street Casting. Um, these guys, you know, it was, oh my gosh, I can do this. I did a good job. I've been training for 10 years and no one's ever let me do it. And, and, and I did it and I know I did good. And you, you just gain a little bit more belief and you think, I can do anything. And let alone the fact that was only five lines and you're about to have to juggle five pages a day that have all been rewritten uh, the morning of. But it's still like you think you could do it. And then every step is more like, I know I can do this. And then Sun Records has got bigger and bigger. I know I can do this. The show I'm doing right now, it's like, oh, these are big scenes and they're getting bigger and, and I can do this. And people seem to want to have me back. And this is great. And uh, like working opposite of Charlize was another just empowering thing of like, for one, you're so connected because she's so good. You can't help but sink into what she has to offer. And she is not a selfish actress. She'll give it to you on take one. And Jason Reitman, give it to you. Mackenzie Davis will give it to you. And you're giving it to them because on TV, there have been some selfish actors I've worked with right. who won't give it back to me. And it makes it, I have to use more of a different tool right. than what I want to use, which is I want to go to Meisner when I'm on set. But I have to use more Stanislavski because I'm having to create their reactions because they're not giving me anything. Right. So working with people Charlize was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I'm going to do it right. Like they did it. And they were great examples for what I need to do when I get there. 
All right. Well, you are an interesting guy, and we could talk forever. And again, your energy is infectious and exhausting. Um, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, do I'm have... have to do you. I got to figure out this balance thing of how to keep it a little more uh, even key. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. No, nothing no, wrong with but it. I'm just trying I to fit this into that. an hour show. So, you know. <laughs> All right. So. Before you go, I have a couple questions I always ask everybody. So the first one is, uh, describe a time in your life where you failed, and tell me how you think about that time now. You know why this is such a difficult question is because I've reprogrammed so many things into not considering them failures, so it, it's made it difficult. And this is a common thing that people say, but that's why I'm asking you, when, when you were in it, you thought it was a failure. And now you answered your own question. Now you look back and got say, it. Oh, I got one. I got one. I got one. Okay. 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 I can get you one. I can get you one. All right. Cool. So the show that I booked uh, just recently, I had I had put myself through the ringer on everything. I just moved. I was fortunate enough to get a lot of auditions from the southeast and then the one from LA eventually. But I had accepted so many auditions from the southeast that I was so very fortunate. And there were a few of them that I really thought I'm not right for and I shouldn't be doing. And I had just moved and I had no money. I had no job. I was down to my last penny. There's a lot of stress. And I just knew that I, I couldn't handle anymore. I was about to have a break because I do go to extremes, which has pushed me to be able to, like Naruto Uzumaki, uh, go way past and become more than I think uh, I ever could have become if I didn't have that. But at the same time, I'll fall and I'll just drown myself in exhaustion and what happened was I had accepted like 17 auditions in like this two-week time period or like two and a half weeks and it was insane and these were big auditions and I put everything I had into them while I was trying to move and I knew that I had nothing left by the time this actual audition came up and it was my first in-person audition in LA and I was like I, I got nothing left. I couldn't even memorize the audition I, I had nothing left right. And uh, I got to the audition, I felt so bad. I had worked on it literally for eight hours, could not be off book. And this audition was only four pages, two scenes. Now there was intense, there were a yeah. lot of talking the whole way through, but still I was like, I'm, I'm done, I, I can't. So uh, luckily I made it through it. See, I don't know if it was a failure or not. Um, I don't know if I would put myself through that again to where I say yes to everything. Because you saying yes to something is always gonna be saying no to something else. Right. Again, I'm back to I don't know if it was a failure, dude. I think it was a lesson because now it's like really considering what do I need to say no to? Well, I think you you answer your own question with it's not so much that it was a failure. Um, it's just things that you did in your life that now you look back and think I wouldn't do this again. I would I, I would tweak I things would. in a different way. Um, or sacrifice I, everything for a girl ever right. again. Yeah, so you wouldn't, and, and not me. even to say like I wouldn't do this again. It's moving forward. I'm going to do things differently. My second question is... I might uh, able to do better on this one. I feel right. like I failed the first one. <laughs> no, it was fine. Just don't even worry. <laughs> that was my um, failure. <laughs> your failure? Okay. Um, what is your ideal day? Relaxing on a beach? Climbing a mountain? Exploring a city? Or building a snowman? Got it. Climbing a mountain. Why? I feel like you, you, get, you get the physical adrenaline of being able to do this amazing feat, but also uh, you get... Uh, the view, you get serenity, you get peace of mind, and you kind of feel like you earned it. Good. All right. That's so. Those are an good. Good answers to both those questions. But the last question is always my. It's always <laughs> my most important. It tells me a lot about you and whether we can be friends or not. Um, so, do you get to answer that? Now? Can we be friends, MJ? I don't know. I'll tell you after this. Gosh, so, darn it. <laughs> what is your favorite theme song? 
Uh, oh, oh, let's go Rocky Balboa. Let's go theme song of Rocky. All right. Okay, that's a good one. That's right? Good yeah, one. baby. That, that's very empowering. It makes you excited. All right, so before you go, make sure you tell people how they can follow you and hear about all that's going on in your world. All right, all right. So here's how you follow me. Just look me up. My name is Michael Patrick Lane. Chances are I will get back to you on Instagram, on Facebook, even on Twitter. I genuinely like to uh, get back to people. So Michael Patrick Lane, That's you'll find me. Michael, all the best. I know you're going to be doing great things. Keep us in the loop. Come back anytime you want. And it was great having you. You too, my man. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, make sure to hit subscribe and rate, review us, and follow along on social media at LLTF the podcast. I absolutely love getting to this podcast. It is so much fun and want to be able to continue doing it for a long time to come. But it takes a lot of time and money, and that's where you come in. If you think you'd like to donate, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash LLTF the podcast, or you can donate via Venmo at LLTF the podcast.